like you, maker of heaven, Lord of the land, and Lord of the sea, holy and true, faithful and able, Lord of all time and eternity. Dear friend, every word that God speaks is alive and full of power to inform and transform, to make us what He desires us to be. The entrance of His word will give you light. Truth produces roots, and then the roots will produce fruits. God bless you. This message was preached by Dr. Ferdinand Mweke, coordinator of Eternity Ministries. We believe you will be edified. For the inquiries, contact. Eternity Ministries, P.O. Box 2637, Bauchi, Nigeria, or telephone 0807 570 or 0802 or send us an email at eternitymin at yahoo.com. That is eternitymin at yahoo.com. Don't forget, the bigger God gets in your eyes, the tinier your mountains become. Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe, you that raised up our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ from the dead. We give you glory tonight and we thank you because your spirit is here already to open our eyes, to give us insight, to bring understanding, to change our lives. We want to thank you because something will happen to us beyond hearing a sermon this period that we are going to stay in your presence we will walk in the fullness of what you are talking about we will enjoy the manifestations of your presence we want to thank you father because there is something that you are doing that is making you to say the things that you are saying and we thank you that you take away the veil from our eyes and cause us to see them and to walk in their reality in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Holy Spirit, impart understanding to our hearts. Impart understanding to our hearts in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. And all God's people said, Amen. Okay. I'd like to welcome you to uh, the Divine Priorities Convention and just like the name of the program goes every time we gather at dpc our goal is to focus on what is important to the heart of god and we want to thank god that you have come and uh, we pray that as all of us stay in god's presence throughout this weekend uh, god will cause us not just to hear someone's 
but to walk in the reality of what he will be bringing to our hearts. Blessed be the name of Jesus Christ. Okay, so I have prepared some notes and some slides here that I think would be of help. And we are beginning this evening to lay certain important foundations that will help our understanding. So, um, that's the road map that I've put up there on the board. But before I get into that, let me say first of all that there are different kinds of preachings, sermons, and messages. Some of them are corrective in nature. There are some times when a preacher preaches messages that are primarily corrective in nature. You are going to find that in the writings of Brother Paul to the Corinthians. You know all kinds of things we are going on in that Corinthian church. And there was no way that Brother Paul would keep quiet when those things were happening. So he needed to do a lot of corrective uh, you know, writing to these brethren. But when you now read the book of Colossians, for instance, or the book of Ephesians, you will notice that some of the things you read in Corinthians are absent from the book from these books. The reason is because this is not corrective preaching. He is bringing instruction from the word of God. Instruction that will help the people to walk in the fullness of the purpose of God for their lives. Blessed be the name of Jesus Christ. So, much of this weekend, much of what we are going to encounter this weekend will not be corrective preaching. It will be very instructive. We intend to look at the word of God in a systematic and uh, orderly way to establish certain important things that the Lord will be bringing to us. So this is the roadmap. For tonight. The first thing we are going to do this evening is that we are going to do definition so that we understand what do you mean by the indwelling. We don't want to make any assumptions. The second thing we are going to do is we will consider some scriptures. We are going to look at certain scriptures and then after doing that, we are going to look at some very important keys. In fact, that number three is the burden for tonight. It's just that I needed to put other things so that we can all flow together. But we are going to look at some very important keys that will help us to appreciate not just the word, not just the word that God will bring to us tonight, but every word it will bring to us for the rest of our lives. Blessed be the name of Jesus Christ. So this is what the roadmap looks like. So we are going to see that scripture cannot be broken. And then we are going to see the power of prepositions. And then what I call the truth cycle. The truth cycle and the truth spiral. And then number four, we are going to engage scripture. Um, you will understand what I mean by that in a moment. And then finally, we will prepare the place of the indwelling. Blessed be the name of Jesus Christ. Now, um, 
the text, we actually have a textbook for this weekend. And we want to encourage you to make sure you get a copy of the book, The Indwelling. I believe you're going to find copies outside. The reason is because much of what we are going to be studying will be present in the book. But there will be more that is not in the book. So you can make some notes, but we encourage you to get the book. And part of the reason is because it's something you want to study long before beyond this point. Blessed be the name of Jesus. So that's uh, our textbook for this weekend. Okay, so let's get right into number one, which is definitions. We want to we want to bring definitions so that we understand what do you mean by the indwelling. And just like you can see on the board there, the word begins from indwell, indwell. And according to the freedictionary.com, uh, that's the website from where that definition is taken from to indwell is to excuse me to indwell is to exist so it is from indwell that you get you get indwelling indwells indwelt it even has you know different different you know aspects so to indwell is to exist as an animating or divine inner spirit, force or principle. And then look at what I put in red there. It is to be located or implanted inside something. It is to be located or to be implanted inside something. And then it is to inhabit or to reside within to reside within to inhabit as such a spirit force or principle so this is what it means to indwell so when we speak about the indwelling what we are saying is that something is inhabiting something in fact to put it better somebody is inhabiting somebody Somebody is living inside somebody. Somebody is living, is located inside and is implanted inside another person. And as we are going to see this weekend, I want you to listen, brothers and sisters, elders, servants of God. I want you to listen to what I want to say. You are going to find out, I pray you will agree with me at the end of this weekend, that this is the secret of everything. The entire Bible, the entire Christianity, including the, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness, everything runs on the indwelling. Since the Lord has brought this to me, I found that I, I, I can't leave it to go to something else because it explains everything to me. What we are going to study this weekend, you're going to find that the matter of the indwelling is not just for those of us who are believers. The entire world runs on the indwelling. Christianity was designed to function 
based on this principle. So I want us to follow closely as we now make some progress. So we have just done number one. <laughs> so that's as simple as it is. We have seen the definition of indwell. It means to stay inside, to be implanted inside. Okay, now let's make some progress and consider some scriptures. We are not going to study these scriptures in detail. But I want you to read them as if you have never read them before. I said, I want you to read these scriptures, assume that you have never read them before. And try to see what they are saying. I have highlighted certain portions and I want you to pay particular attention to those portions that I have highlighted. So can we, can we read these scriptures together? Let's go. Everybody, 1 John chapter 4 and verse 4. You are of God, little children, and you have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. I want you to follow what this scripture is saying here. Just don't forget, we are not going to study these scriptures in detail at this point. Some of these scriptures are going to come up repeatedly in the course of this program. So, just note these scriptures. But see what the thing is saying. He is saying, you are of God, little children, and you have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So that is the first scripture. Now, read with me again John chapter 14 and verse 17. Let's go. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him but you know him for he dwells with you and he will be in you now you notice you notice from this scripture that Jesus in stating this scripture was even careful to distinguish something from something. Not what Jesus separated. Look, he says, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, why can't the world receive the Holy Spirit? He said, because the world does not see him, a personality, nor know him, a personality, but you know him, a personality, and for he, a personality, dwells with you. So presently, this personality dwells with you. Now, but look what Jesus says, and he will be in you. You, you can see that Jesus is separating with and in. There is no question about that. You, you can see, the way he stated it shows you that he's talking about two very different things. He is with you now, but a time is coming when he's going to be 
in you. Okay. So don't forget, we are considering these scriptures. Now look at these two scriptures. This is John 14 now and verse 20. And I'd like you to read with me again. On that day, on that day, you will realize that I am where in my father and you are where you are in me and that I am where I am in you. So Jesus said, there is a day coming when you are going to realize that I am in my father and you are in me and I am in you. Now look at the next scripture. Colossians chapter 1 verse 27. A scripture that many of us are familiar with. It says, To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is what? Christ, where? In you, the hope of glory. Not the scriptures that we are reading. I realize in increasing measure that if you don't pay attention to the details of scripture, you will think, you will think that you understood what God is saying, but you didn't understand. So please, follow the story here. Now, let's read this one too. And for now, this is the last of those scriptures that I want to mention at this point as we make progress. Can we all read this one together, please, if you will? Um, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells where in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body, bodies through his spirit who dwells where in you. So, we have just read these scriptures. We are not studying them in detail yet. We are going to come back to these scriptures. But, what, what are these scriptures saying? What, what exactly are these scriptures saying? I have listed several things that this scripture is saying. And, <laughs> I want you to think along with me about what these scriptures are saying. The first thing that this scripture is saying is that there is somebody that is living inside you. That's what this scripture is saying. <laughs> Think about what you are hearing. That there is a person that is living inside you. A person, another person. That's the first thing. Then this scripture is saying that Jesus Christ is inside you. Jesus Christ is inside you. you remember, he said Christ in you. The hope of glory. So, the scripture here is saying that Jesus Christ, the same Jesus Christ that lived 2,000 years ago, the one that rose from the dead, the one that healed the sick, the one that walked on water, this scripture is saying that that Jesus Christ is living inside you. I want you to think about what we are reading. Something has happened to me of recent. It's something that is something that I notice every time the Lord does it for me, 
he changes everything. Sometimes there are truths in scripture that are scattered all over the Bible. You know the way certain doctrines are in the Bible? You will find one here, you will find another one here. If you are doing a Bible study and you are doing some chain reference, you literally have to go from here to there, from there to there to gather what the Bible says about a matter. I found that when the Holy Spirit aggregates scripture on a specific subject, that thing has changed my life. Some of us are familiar with the school of life. That's what happened to me with that school of life material. You see, everything in school of life is general knowledge in the Bible. But once they are aggregated, the weight of what you are hearing begins to dawn on your spirit. And that is what God is doing for us with this indwelling matter. See, these verses are saying that there is somebody living inside you. That is alarming. That is a major statement to make that as I'm standing here now, there's another person living inside me. The next thing that we see here, the scriptures are saying that God, the father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, lives inside you. And he says that, please, look at this last one. This scripture is saying that the same spirit of the father who raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you. Look at it now. He said, but if the spirit of the one that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. In other words, this spirit will do in you what he did in Christ when Christ was dead. That's what the scriptures are saying. Now, the question for me, there are three questions. There are three questions that arise out of these scriptures. Question number one, and I, I, I want you to take this seriously. Is this true or false? See, I am I'm learning. You see, there is something that bothers me these days in church. People's, people agree too quickly. Whether the thing is real to them or not, they say, Amen. In fact, some people, even before you finish the prayer, they are saying, Amen, Amen. Wait, 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 wait. Listen to what they are saying now. Think about it and see whether you agree or not. Don't quickly agree. I don't like people that agree with me too easily. I love questions, so I love questions. In fact, if you don't like questions, you cannot be a good friend of mine. Because I'm going to ask you questions and you may be offended. But I found that questions in scripture led to major discoveries. I said questions in scripture. In fact, not just in scripture. Questions are the stock in trade of discoverers and inventors. Things are invented because people ask questions. If I mix this with this, what will happen? So, well, nobody has done it before. I don't know. Okay, let me try it. Who? No! <laughs> he said, yeah. 
It it almost killed me. So this thing must be an explosive. (laughs) Even recipes, sisters that cook, you manufacture recipe by asking questions. What happens if I put the onions before the tomato? (laughs) Then you tried it. The taste came out different. You have a new recipe. I love questions. And the question I want to ask my brothers and sisters, servants of God is, is this true? This thing that we are reading, is it true? I know, I know all of us agree that the Bible is true, but don't check. The Bible is saying that there's somebody living inside you. Is it true? Question number two. If it is true, if it is true, what are the implications? If this thing is true, then what are the implications? What is the implication of as I am walking now, just you are looking at me, you are seeing Brother Ferdinand. So I'm walking. But there is another person inside me. What's the implication? Excuse me now, you are saying that the same spirit that raised up Jesus Christ from the dead is inside Ferdinand. And I'm walking like this. What is the what does that mean? What does it imply? Is it true? Do you understand what you are saying when you say that Jesus Christ is inside me? You have to see. We are reading the you see, you know what I found? We are agreeing too quickly with scripture. That's why we are not experiencing it. And what we are doing is not faith, it's presumption. We read it, we say yes, yes, we agree with that. But you don't agree with it or you don't believe it. You have never believed it. You just heard it. Excuse me, brother. What is the implication of Jesus Christ, not three-quarter Jesus? Not three-quarter Jesus. What is the implication? I hope you know that there is only one Jesus Christ. Am I correct or am I wrong? Are there three Jesuses? I'm not talking of Jesus of Oyimbo. You understand? Or any of the, of the fake Jesuses. I'm talking of the original Jesus of Nazareth. That's the one that this Bible is saying that he is inside me. So my first question is, is it true? The next question is, what are the implications? Then there is one more question. And that question is, if it is true, where are the manifestations? See, uh, brothers and sisters, I got born again in campus, in medical school, in the early 80s. That is like 30-something years ago, like 35 years ago. That's a long time. (laughs) I have seen some things in Christianity. In fact, many of the things going on in Christianity now, we know the people that brought them. And people, we are Christians before those things started. We know the people that introduced some of the practices happening in the church now. Christians, we are praying and getting answers before these people came around with their new inventions. I don't know if you are following what I'm saying, sir. See, what I'm saying to you is that I have come to a point in my own personal work with God where I'm tired of stories. 
I'm no longer interested in presence. Because you see, presence is good. But if there are no manifestations to confirm presence, then presence is questionable. I said presence is good. Jesus is in the house. Somebody say amen. Amen. I agree with that. The Holy Spirit is in me. I can feel the Spirit. Amen. I agree. He's inside. Where are the manifestations? The Bible said the manifestations of the Spirit are given to every man to profit for the common good. Some versions say. So don't forget the question. The first question is, is it true or is it false? Number two question is, is, is if this is true, but I want you to think about what you are hearing. Is it true that the same spirit that raised up Jesus Christ from the dead is inside me? Is it true? If it is true, what are the implications? Then number three, if it is true, where are the manifestations? Okay, don't forget our roadmap. So we have we have done definitions. That's the first thing that we have done. Then the second thing is we have now considered some of these scriptures. And we are going to come back to some of these scriptures as our time would allow. Now, this now brings me to three keys which I think are indispensable in would you like to stop the flash the flash is bothering me uh, if you take take without the flash there are three keys I want you to look at as we look at this matter now because I believe that they are going to be of help to us as we make some progress so the first one there is the fact that scripture cannot be broken scripture cannot be broken every word of god is true that's the first principle the second one there is the preposition matter and then of course the truth cycle so let's attend to the first one brothers and sisters part of what borders let me say borders <laughs> i think you understand what i mean part of what raises more concern in my spirit about the matter that we are looking at is that scripture cannot be broken so look here Look what the Bible says. God is not a man that he should do what? That he should lie. This is Numbers 23 verse 19. Nor a son of man that he should repent. So that means if God has said something, it is the truth. And if he has said something, he's not going to repent. He's not going to recant. God is not going to take back what he said because he knew the full implications from eternity before he said it so it, it, god cannot surprise god he doesn't make a mistake he is not the son of man he doesn't repent now so the bible now said has he said and will he not do it and then has he spoken and will he not make it good he behold i have received a command to bless and he has blessed and i cannot reverse it so what it means is if God has blessed someone with a truth or a promise of scripture you cannot reverse it. If he has blessed somebody with his presence huh? 
or with that promise, you can't reverse it. It's, un it's unbreakable. You are familiar with Titus chapter 1 verse 2. In hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. So that means whatever we read in scripture, whatever God says in his word, this is a God that cannot lie. It's impossible. His word cannot lie. His word cannot be broken. That is the person that is talking to us. Now, look at Luke 21 and verse 33. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. So, it means that what we have in scripture is not something that is temporary. It's not going away. It is standing there, you know, as the worship team was singing, Sister Chi was singing, Forever, oh Lord, thy word is settled, settled in heaven. I just found myself praying. I said, Father, let it be as settled in my heart as it is in heaven. Because the word is settled in heaven. It's not going to change. So, it means that Christ in you, the hope of glory, is settled in heaven. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world is settled in heaven. It's not going to change. It's not going to fall down. It can't break. It can't fail. In John chapter 10 verse 35, the Lord Jesus Christ said, If he called them gods unto whom the word of God came, and scripture cannot be broken. Scripture cannot be broken. Scripture cannot be broken. Scripture cannot be broken. Every word of God is pure. They have been tried seven times like silver refined in the furnace of earth. Scripture cannot be broken. So in the light of this fact that scripture cannot be broken, I now go back to those scriptures and I'm asking myself, is this true? Is it true that there is somebody living inside me? <laughs> is it true or is it a lie? Now it has to be true because scripture cannot be broken. It must be true. It must be true that the same spirit that raised up Jesus Christ from the dead is inside me. It has to be true because scripture cannot be broken. It has to be true. It's not a joke. Somebody, is, excuse me please, this is not figurative speech. This is not, how many of us think that this is figurative speech? There's no figurative, there's no, it's not a parable. This is not a parable. So, scripture cannot be broken. Now, this now brings me to what I call the power of prepositions. And this is basic English. But permit me to run through this English 101 course. In fact, some of the illustrations that I'm going to show now, they are kindergarten stuff. But I pray you will just bear with me while we go through this, this, this bit. What is a preposition? Sir? A preposition is a word such as after, 
you know, I wish we had time. I would have liked to hear from the congregation what the proposition is. I, I enjoy that kind of interaction. But for the sake of our time, let's just get through this. A preposition is a word such as after, in, to, on, and with. These words are prepositions. And prepositions are usually used in front of nouns or pronouns and they show the relationship between the noun or pronoun and the other words in the sentence. <laughs> Does this make sense? So they describe number one. So look at what prepositions do. They describe the position of something. This is very basic. Bear with me. Prepositions describe the position of something. This definition I'm quoting from is from the Oxford Dictionaries, the online edition. So, so you now say, her bag was under the chair. So, you know, if the bag was under the chair and you are looking for the bag, <laughs> would you be looking for the bag on the chair? <laughs> you will be looking for the bag where? Under the chair. So, the preposition will help you to locate the bag. I want you to pay attention. You know what I found? The reason many of us don't get anything from our Bible when we read it is because we don't understand basic tools like this in English language. The little words that we ignore in our Bible, they hold the key. The little tiny, tiny words that therefore and within together those little little words they are the key to the major passages to the promises true so look here now so if you are going to find this bag when you come you'll be looking for a bag that is under the chair because preposition has helped you to locate the bag i, I don't know if you are following the matter here now okay now or you see the other example the dog crawled between us and lay down at our feet so that means we are sitting together like this. Then the dog crawled between us and laid out. So the dog is not on us. He's between us. His flat was over the shop. So you get an idea of a story building. The shop is on the ground and then the flat is up. Does this make sense? So the prepositions also refer to time, by the way. So it says things like, you know, the time when something happens, they arrived on Sunday. The class starts at 9. Um, shortly after something. All of those are also prepositions. So they help you to locate things in time. See, prepositions help you to locate things. Either in place or in time. This is very important. And you are going to see why now. So, they, they also tell us the way in which something is done. We went by train. They stared at each other without. So, all of these are, you're able to locate events, locate places, locate times because of these tiny little words that are being used. And now, some prepositions are made up of more than one word. For example, they moved here because of. We sat next to. So, some prepositions have more than one word making them up. The hotel is perched on top of. But you see, do you know, once somebody says the hotel is perched on top of a cliff, in your mind, you already have an idea of what the hotel looks like. So, if you are looking for such a hotel, 
you you will not be looking for a hotel in a valley you'll be looking for a hotel on top of i don't know if this makes sense i've got some pictures here i want to show you <laughs> i told you it's kindergarten stuff don't be angry with me okay <laughs> you see this is the kind of picture they used to teach children and jesus said you must be converted and become like little children <laughs> so let's practice <laughs> So you see, they will say on. Try and repeat it. On. It's Joshua. This is Joshua. Joshua reads. This is his class. Then he says, in. They show Josh. This is in. In fact, Joshua is older than this now. Then they say, the pumpkin is under the chair. The tomato is in the carton. The carrot is on the chair okay so you see <laughs> this is another preposition and this preposition is what is behind 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 and then you have some more so you have all of these ones are on then you have these ones are under this one is in so you see now this is a jar with a butterfly inside do, 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 you, do you agree with this now so if you are looking for this butterfly, you won't be looking for it around or behind or in front of. You'll be looking for it inside. I have a picture here. This is a, a mother. This will give you an idea of what the indwelling looks like. This is a mother. This is a mother. So, you know, inside the mother's belly, what do you have? You have a baby that is growing. Ah, so... It means that somebody can be inside somebody. All of us are products of the indwelling. Every human being enters into planet Earth through the indwelling. And let me say to you that you are going to get to heaven through the indwelling. You can't enter into this world except you pass through the indwelling. The, I'm saying to you, brothers and sisters, this is the secret of everything. Pay attention to what you are hearing. You know. This thing is alarming. Do you understand what I'm preaching? I'm saying that there is somebody inside you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you understand what the Bible is saying? That there is somebody inside you. You should be alarmed at what I'm preaching. The fact that you are looking at me quietly shows that you are not very sure. <laughs> what I'm preaching, what this thing I'm saying should alarm you. Say, now what did you say? What did you say? Somebody is inside who? I'm saying that if according to your Bible, that there is somebody inside you. As you are sitting nice and clear like this. And we are going to look at it this weekend. And you will be asking yourself, what are the implications of this? this is not an ordinary sermon. We didn't gather here to preach. We came to look for God. We came to experience something. Now, so this brings me to the third key that will help our understanding. And this one now, I need you to pay attention because this is a bit technical, but you will understand it. Because it's biblical. Now, you see, brothers and sisters, many times, and this is something that this is something that I am guilty of, and I know that many of us 
we might have had similar challenge. When we approach the Bible, oftentimes we forget the real intention of scripture. We forget the real purpose of the Bible. You see, the purpose of scripture is not revelation. It's not revelation. Many times when we are reading scripture, we approach the Bible looking for revelations. But please listen. Revelation is not the objective of the Bible. Revelation is not the objective of the word of God. Revelation is necessary as a means to an end. What is the end, Brother Fedman? The end is the word transformation. That's the goal of scripture. But you need revelation before you can arrive at transformation. And we are going to see how it works. So what I want to share with you now is what the Lord taught me. What the Lord showed me. Because I ask questions. So some, sometimes I get answers which I am able to share with other people. And I want you to consider what I want to share now. Please, these are not attempts to just manufacture something. No, 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 no. We are not here to, to propose theories. I'm not, I'm not trying to write a PhD here. I'm simply trying to understand the word of God. So how does scripture produce transformation? How does the word of God change us into what it wants us to be? Please, follow the matter now. Here is how it works. And let's read this scripture first of all. To establish the facts of transformation. Can we all read, please? Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And all of us, as with unveiled face, because we continue to behold in the word of God as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Amen. Thank you very much. So note, it says, because say all of us with unveiled face, in other words, there is no mask before our faces. So as we are gazing with unveiled face, where are we looking? He said, to behold in the word of God as in a mirror. This is the amplified translation. The other translations talk about the mirror. It doesn't say the word of God. But of course, the mirror is the word. Remember James chapter 1? He said, anybody who looks into the perfect law of liberty, but is not a doer. Eh? He said, that person is like a man that looks at his face in the mirror and then he forgets what he was like. Eh? But anybody who continues to look and is not a forgetful hearer, but is a doer of the word, eh? that person will be blessed. You remember that? So the mirror is the mirror of scripture, the mirror of the word of God. So see what the Bible says. It says, as we continue to look into this mirror, we see the glory of the Lord. And then what happens to us? We are constantly being what? Transfigured. Transfigured. Into his very own image. So the goal of our looking is not for us to see. It's for us to be changed. But we have to see to be changed. I don't know if this is making sense. So, you see, the seeing is the revelation. The change is the transformation. That's the transfiguration. 
actually the word there is metamorpho that's metamorphosis eh? the kind of metamorphosis that takes place in biology so we are transfigured into his very own image in ever increasing splendor from one degree of glory to another so please note that that this change is from one degree of glory to another degree of glory so there are degrees of glory ah remember it says christ in you the hope of what the hope of glory but now we are seeing that there are degrees of this glory so even though christ is inside me i can now begin to change from one degree of glory to another degree of glory to another degree of glory the goal being until i am transformed into the same image of our lord and savior jesus christ does this does this make sense so how does that happen when we encounter the world please pay attention now this is what is called the truth cycle look 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 up on the board see what i have here the first thing that we have up there is information there are six components in this truth cycle the first one is information so the word of god comes to us as information you are of god first john chapter 4 verse 4 right you are of god little children and you have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world that is information in fact you know <laughs> when i was a, a younger believer i thought that the bible was full of commandments thou shall not do this thou shall not touch that thou shall not go there thou shall not thou shall not but it was later i came to realize that most of scripture is not commandment is information You are of God, little children, and you have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Is he commanding you to do anything? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Is he telling you to do anything? If the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he that raised up Christ from the dead will also quicken your mortal body by his spirit that lives in you. Is he commanding anything? No. He's giving you information. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Is that a commandment? It's not commandment. Most of scripture is not commandment. It gives you enlightenment. But you see the point. When you have enlightenment, it is easier to keep commandment. Hallelujah. If your car is uh, registration number FQ31 Abuja, please attend to something outside. FQ31 Abuja. Praise the Lord. Now, I said it is easier to keep commandment if you have enlightenment. Let me give you a simple example. <laughs> Assuming you entered into this place and you were about to sit down. And I said, hey, everybody, please, don't sit down. Just keep standing. It's okay. You stood for two minutes. You stood for three minutes. You stood for ten minutes. He said, excuse me, my friend, man. <laughs> you stood for twenty minutes. You know, you will likely start complaining. Of course, I want to sit down. <laughs> I am making everybody stand there permanently. But as even I told you when you came inside, um, uh, brothers and sisters, you see these chairs, they are all connected to electricity under. <laughs> I, I think you should... <laughs> Do I have to tell you not to, sta not to sit down? <laughs> I just gave you information. What was the information? 
the chair is wired to electricity. Now, that information automatically says, no, but if this thing is wired to electricity, I shouldn't be sitting down. That's what the word of God does. By giving us information, it makes us wise in making our choices. You see, you see, thou through thy commandment, you have made me wiser than my enemies because they are ever with me. So you see, because you have information, you won't make the mistake that some people make. You won't make the choices that they make. You won't make the assumptions that they make because you know something they don't know. So the word of God comes to us as information. But then the question is, what do you do with that information for you to bring transformation? The first thing you do is called observation. Observe the information. This thing I'm sharing with you is very important for everything this weekend. Observe. What does it say? You are of God, little children, and you have overcome them. You, you are of God. So this observation is a combination of meditation, is a combination of studying it, is a combination of memorizing. It. Just observe it. Observe the detail. What is it saying? Look at it from... You know, well, there are many doctors in the house. You will remember in medical school, there are certain exams that you are not allowed to touch the patient. If you touch the patient, you, you have failed. You are supposed to observe the patient and say what the problem is. Just imagine that somebody came to the clinic, came to your clinic, and he, he sat on your chair like this. Do you see the way I'm sitting? <laughs> Doc, <laughs> the guy came. And instead of sitting down properly like people normally sit, he came and he sat like that. You know, as a doctor, your mind is asking you, <laughs> why is this man not sitting properly on the chair? <laughs> Maybe he has a boil or something paining him or something. Do you know that that's the way a doctor's mind runs? Even before you start talking, a good doctor is already thinking about your matter. It is part of the training. Observe the scripture. Look at it. Then as you look at it, what's going to happen now? Revelation will start coming out. You will start seeing things that you didn't see before. Little children, you have overcome them. Little children, overcome. Little children, and overcome. That doesn't look compatible. Do you know that little children and overcome? There is, they are asynchronous. They are not in agreement normally. When you want to talk about overcome, you don't talk about little children. You talk about mighty warriors. But what does the scripture say? It says you are of God, little children, and you have overcome them. Then he says, why? He says, because, because. Not because of your size, because you are little children, but because greater is he that is inside than he that is in the world. Whoa, okay. So these little children have overcome. Not that they should try to overcome. He didn't say little children. Now, struggle hard to overcome them. That's not what he says. Observation, look at it. He says, you have overcome them. If I one Bible version, Kenneth Ware said, you have overcome and you are still standing as victors. That scripture is past perfect. So revelations begin to come out of the scripture. Revelations are coming out. Now, 
as revelations start coming out of scripture, this is applicable to every verse in the Bible. As revelations are coming out, the next thing you want to find, don't run away with the revelation and say, oh, praise God, I saw revelation. No, 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 you are, you are making a mistake. Ask the next question. What is the next question? What are the implications of these revelations arising from this observation of this information that I have just received? What does this imply? So, if I have already overcome, should I be afraid of people that I have overcome? <laughs> you see, you see now, you see, you're going beyond revelation now. If, I, if this is true that I have already overcome, and the greater one, should I be afraid while I am carrying the greater one inside? Should I be afraid of people that have a lesser person inside them? You see, you are going beyond revelation now. You are going to implication. So out of your implication, what do you do next? You now do application. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You begin to talk. You begin to act on the basis of the insight that has come to you from the revelation that you received. Now listen, this is where the rubber meets the road. Pay attention now. As soon as you do application of a scripture, that is what it means to be a doer of the word. Once you do the word, what happens to you? Oh, it is called transformation. It is called transformation. You are changed. You are not the same anymore. You are not the same and you are not coming back to where you were before. Now, but look, look, look. So there again is that truth cycle. You see that truth cycle now? But watch this. Watch this now. Do you see what is going on? What did I put there? I put an X there. Why? Because once you experience transformation, you don't come back at the same level. Eh? Would you agree with that? Transformation should not restore you back to this same level. But don't forget that information of scripture has not finished so watch this now watch this so because you have experienced a transformation the level has changed you see transformation always moves you to a higher level when you encounter the word of god and you stand on it and you do it it does something that moves you from where you were to a different level i'll give you an example i'll give you an example look at john chapter 3 verse 16 for god so loved the world this is scripture it's information that he did what he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life so an unbeliever pay attention raw unbeliever encounters this information for god then he does observation for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God so loved the world. Ah, I'm part of the people that God loved though. God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him will not perish. Ah, so there's something like perishing. But if I believe, I will not perish. Ah, okay. If I believe, it means I can believe. I will not perish. But I will have something. I will have eternal life. Ah, 
Okay. So who is going to do the believing? It's you. You are the one to believe if you believe. It means I can believe now because if I can't believe, they won't be saying if you believe. Okay, I believe. I believe that Jesus is the son of God. Okay, now, after the observation, implication, if I don't believe, what will happen? Say you will perish, oh. You will perish, oh. Ah, no, I don't want to perish, oh. Okay, if you don't want to perish, you have to believe. Application. I believe that Jesus is the son of God. At that moment, what happens to the unbeliever? Transformation. He is changed from a child of Satan to a child of God. Is that at the same level where he started? No, 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 no. He is changed from lost to saved. He moves from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. That is transformation. But now, information has not finished. Information has not finished. Are you following that? I want you to now look at this. Do you notice? Watch, watch what I have drawn up on the board. This is powerful. Don't miss this. It's actually the same principle here. Now, everyone, do you notice that this opens a spiral? Do you notice? This is no longer a cycle. It started off as a cycle, but by the time you finish, what does it do? It opens a spiral. So watch this. Notice number one is information. Number two is observation. Number three, revelation. Four is what? Implication. Number five is what? Application. Six is what? Transformation. Now it moves to a higher level. So let's take the same information. For God so loved the world that he did what? That he gave his only begotten son. Ah, so now this man is now born again. Oh, you understand? The same person is now saved. He's born again. He's changed. He comes back to John 3.16. For God so loved the world. He's not saying God so loved Brother Ferdinand. He said God so loved the world, the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him. So God is not just that God loved me. He loved the world. Ah, so that whoever believes. So just as I believed and I got saved, other people can believe and they can also get saved. Ah, ah, God so loved the world. If God so loved the world, is the world saved? I am saved now. But the world that God so loved that he gave his only begotten son, the world is not yet saved though. <laughs> what am I going to do about that now? I can't keep quiet though. These people of this world must hear the same message that brought me salvation. So, implication. If I don't preach to them, what will happen? They will perish. <laughs> do I want them to perish? No, 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 no. So, application. What does the man do? He preaches the gospel. Are you following the story now? So that the world that God so loved can be saved. Now, at this point, what has happened to the same man? Transformation. He has gone from being just a born-again Christian in church to being an evangelist and a soul winner. That's a higher level. Same scripture. Same scripture. If you notice, the same scripture. Same scripture. So look now. So see what has happened now. So this is number one. He has done the first cycle. He came here. He is saved. You repeat the same cycle. And by transformation, now he's a soul winner. He repeats the same cycle and he comes around again at a higher level. So let's do number three now. He comes back to John chapter 3 verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave, gave, the word gave, jumps out of, gave, he gave, gave, gave. What did God give? God gave his son. God gave his best. <laughs> if I love people, what have I given? What have I given? Ah, 
how can I say I love and I've not given anything? Now, what am I going to give? If God loved and he gave so that people can be saved, it means I can also give something so that other people can be saved. Ah, ah, hey, what am I going to give now? Now, this man has 2.7 million naira in his bank account and then he hears that there is a need for missions and for the gospel to get to other people. He writes a check of 1.2 million and he puts it in the offering box and he says, use this to preach the gospel so that other people can be saved. Same scripture. But what has happened to this man now? Notice levels are changing. Does somebody understand what I'm talking about here? Levels are changing because the man is doing this cycle. It has become a spiral, moving him to higher levels. Now watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Everybody, help me to watch this. Look, look, look on the board. Please, look on the board. Do you notice this spiral? Any smart very smart person in the class. What does this represent? It's like a spring, yes, but relative to the other one that we saw. Do you agree with me that this is the side view of this? Everybody, do you agree that this is, this is actually, if you look at it from the side like this, this is what you will see. But if you look at it from, from above, this is what you are going to see. Is this correct? So now, look at, look what, so see what is happening. So because this person is doing this information, observation, implication, application, then number five, you know, application, transformation, number six, he comes back to one. What is happening to his level? Everybody, somebody help me in this place. The levels are changing. Somebody said the levels are changing. The levels are is changing from one degree of glory to another degree of glory to another degree of glory to another degree of glory. The levels are changing because he is experiencing the word by applying it. So as the level is changing, everybody, this is important now. Don't miss this. See what I put up on the board. Notice that as the level is changing the degree of glory is rising. And here is the point. When degrees change, possibilities change. I said when degrees change, what happens to possibilities? Possibilities change. So, things that were impossible at his level one, suddenly at level two, they become very difficult, but possible. Then at level three, what happens? They become possible. At level four, they become what? Normal. Then at level five, they are what? <laughs> Do you know, brothers and sisters, there are certain things that when they ask us at our level one, we say, oh, this is impossible. But there are people that have grown and they have experienced this cycle of transformation that the same thing that we are calling impossible, that's their normal life. Somebody, did you hear what I just said? What people are calling impossible is their normal life. Is their normal life. How did they arrive at that point? How did they arrive at that point? They kept on changing from one degree of glory to another degree of glory to another degree of glory by the Spirit of God Almighty. Now, here is a summary of what I've shared with you. Look, look, look up on the board. You see the first one there up there is the truth unengaged. It remains as information. As long as scripture is not engaged, it is information. 
But once it is engaged through cycle, then transformation takes place, then the upward spiral, then the side view, then changes in levels of glory, and of course, changes in possibilities. Now, I want to draw to a close. Go back. Let's go back now. You will not, remember, we are using this as a tool. I'm sharing this with you so that we can go back to apply it to the scriptures that we are reading. And after applying it, we can now keep applying it to every scripture we read for the rest of our lives so that we can experience transformation. So come back with me now to engaging scripture. This is number four. I'm almost done. Remember the scriptures we read. You are of God, little children, and you have overcome them. Why? He said, because he who is where in you is greater than he who is in the world. What are the implications? What are the implications? What are the applications? Look at that other scripture we read. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him but you know him for he dwells with you and he shall be in you. And that's what happened with those apostles. Once upon a time the Holy Spirit was simply with them but on the day of Pentecost something happened to them. Hallelujah. That spirit filled them. Bible says they we are filled. Meaning that the spirit went inside and filled them. Look at the implications and the consequences of that infilling. Now, remember, on that day, you will realize that I am in my father and you are in me and I am in you. Tomorrow, by the grace of God, I have some illustration that will help you to understand this scripture. But I want you to watch what is happening here. Jesus is in the Father. And we are where? We are inside Jesus. So since Jesus is in the Father and we are inside Jesus and Jesus is inside us, then we must also be inside the Father. This is not figurative speech. <laughs> this is not figurative speech. This is reality. Now look what he says here. He said, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is what? Christ, we are in you, the hope of glory. So Christ is in me. Remember prepositions. Do you remember prepositions? So if you are trying to locate Christ relative to Ferdinand, where are you going to look? <laughs> you have to look inside. Oh God, please listen to us. The tragedy of this external Christianity that we are doing. Do you know that man was designed to operate from inside? He said, keep your heart with all diligence because out of that inner core are the issues of life. Now the Bible says that Christ is inside. Hallelujah. Christ is inside. And he is the hope of glory. Look at that other scripture. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells where? In you. Then he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells where? In you. Brothers and sisters, this scripture is saying that the spirit of the person that raised up Jesus from the dead is living inside you. And scripture cannot be broken. Scripture cannot be broken. Scripture cannot be broken. 
Now, in closing, this is the last slide. I want to stop at this point that if it is true, and it is true because the word of God cannot lie, that it is this inside me where Jesus Christ himself dwells, where the Holy Spirit himself lives, and where the Father God himself dwells inside. If it is inside me, then it means I need to get the place ready. I need to be sure that there is space for him inside my heart. Tomorrow, by the grace of God, we are going to look at scripture and see the quantity of space inside you. You, 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 you don't, we do not know the depths of a human being. A human being is deep. I'm telling you, sir, I saw scriptures that terrified me. Man is deep. We are going to look at it tomorrow. We are going to see, because if God is going to stay inside, it means that man must be very deep. Man was very deep. And so, as we draw to a close tonight, we have seen, number one, that the indwelling is the secret of everything. Tomorrow, we are going to pursue that further. We are going to trace it, and you are going to see it from scripture. We have now established some definitions that will help us. We came to understand indwell. It is to inhabit inside. It is to live inside. It is to dwell inside. And then we saw those prepositions that help us to locate, locate things. With is different from in. Jesus said the Holy Spirit is with you now. But he will be in you. Those are two different things. And it happened to the apostles as Jesus said. Don't forget that we also saw the truth cycle and the spiral so that we can see how transformation will take place as we experience the revelation of the indwelling. So when we now encounter this information telling us that somebody is living inside, the next thing to do is to observe that information. If the spirit of the person that raised up Jesus from the dead is living inside me, then... The person that raised up Jesus from the dead by his spirit will do inside me what he did in Christ. It's the same spirit now. So the same spirit, brothers and sisters, the same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead is living inside the believer. What is the implication? That's why we went to that truth cycle. What is the implication of walking around Abuja Carrying the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead inside you. You are not dead though. I want you to follow the, follow the story. Jesus was dead. For three days he was in the grave. Is that correct? And then when God wanted to raise him from the dead, he didn't start shaking in heaven. What did he do? He sent this spirit. And this Holy Spirit came and entered inside the body of Jesus. And when the Holy Ghost entered into the body of Christ, pop, the Bible says Jesus came alive. Now, the same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead has taken up residence, permanent, eternal residence inside you. 
What will he do to your mortal body? Can you imagine the same spirit of life that entered into Christ, living inside you, pouring life, a fountain of life into every fiber of your being? Some people say it is on the last day. Did you read on the last day in that verse? Eh? We have seen that. We must look at the implication and then the application. When we do that, what happens? We experience transformation. That's what we are going to be doing throughout this weekend. We are going to be looking at this scripture systematically. Some servants of God will be speaking to us from tomorrow. I will also be sharing. We are going to be looking at what does this imply? And then don't forget that last question. Where are the manifestations? I want to say to you, brethren, brothers and sisters, that it is the manifestation of the indwelling that will shock the world. When the world begins to experience human beings that are walking, they look like human beings, but they are carrying Jehovah inside. And the person they are carrying is not asleep. He is manifesting himself. He's man just like he did in Acts of the Apostles. We have become his body and he's using us as his headquarters on planet Earth. Jehovah converts every one of us into his operational base. Picture what is going to happen. That the eternal God converts every believer into... Imagine that the same Jesus Christ that walked the streets of Galilee begins to use you as an operational base. That's actually the agenda. And that's what happened in Acts of the Apostles. That was what happened. That was what happened. This is what the indwelling is about. And I want to invite you, let's study this thing together. Let's pray over this matter together. And let's begin to ask these kind of questions. And maybe, not maybe, we believe. We believe that out of this meeting, God will raise brothers and sisters that will live in an increasing manifestation of this reality. Let us pray. Let us pray now. I beg you, let's respond to God in a few minutes. We are out of here. I finished preaching. I want you to pray over what you have heard. I want you to respond to God from your spirit. I invite you to just say something to the Lord. Father, open my eyes to see this thing that you are talking at. For this thing that you are talking about. Express your hunger. Express your hunger. And say to God, don't pass me by. Don't pass me by. Don't pass me by. Let us pray. Oh, blessed be the name of Jesus. Oh, blessed be the name of Jesus. Open the eyes of our hearts, Father. 
Take away the veil. Take away the veil. Take away the veil. Take away the veil. Would you like to ask God, Father, take away the veil. Take away the veil. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to walk in the fullness of these revelations. Would you like to pray? Express your hunger to the Lord. Oh God. Oh te tako briante sankase tatela itinatela hutateva ilaki kabarataba stisi taba yate kimparatopa kuprastia itlorosti pata kwaroka pa os ikamalataya butiaku darus ahala monenete yaloka tokes ibarakata suplaristi teteleke de teribarata kubara para 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 Prusostos tite tlika maradoka. Shtenta, shtenta, shtenta. Kia kora kua bruto pahus imado nite mananaka. Ubuduka ubata kuda budabara. Iditobe toda kubarada. Itela kala boa koteri parata. Pras antande si patabahana taya. Itlari de sumdenta. Itite la si letele 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 Kiberetipa para 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 para. I invite you to pray. Just pray for a few minutes before we leave here tonight. Oh God. Oh Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus. Oh God, cause us to experience the reality of your word in our hearts. We are hungry for you, Father. We are hungry for you. We are hungry for your presence. We are hungry for your manifestations in and through our lives. Titli sitite lite paka yepa ita isi tapa kabari pa ite lata isi pata 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 karamina nita para protosite pakandelekijete kara. Oh God. <laughs> Oh, Father, in the name of Jesus. Wow. Wow. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. There are just two prayers I want us to pray. We are out of this place. Number one. Would you like to look at your heart? Bring your heart before the Lord. And say, Lord... Since this heart is the place of your indwelling, I surrender it to you. Cleanse this heart. Purify it. Purge it. Remove from it anything and everything that competes with your presence. I'm sure there are some of us who want to pray like that. Stand up on your feet and pray like that. Say to God, Father in the name of Jesus, here is my heart. This is where you are going to live inside. I repent. I repent. I repent. Repent of anything and everything that is going to hinder him. Would you like to search your heart? Shine the light inside that heart. Receive cleansing. Ask him to wash you. 
I say, Father, in the name of Jesus, here is my heart. Look at the heart here. Cleanse it, change it, transform it. Let's prepare our hearts. I want you to pray, please. Let's prepare our hearts. Let's prepare our hearts. The preparations of the heart is in man. The answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Let's prepare our hearts. Hallelujah. Oh Lord. Thank you. In the name of Jesus Christ. The final prayer we are going to pray tonight is. I want you to stir up the spirit that has taken residence inside you. If he is inside. I want you to talk to him. The Bible said. Say Timothy. Stir up the gift that is inside you. There's a question I asked. I said, what are the implications? And then the other question was, what, where are the manifestations? Would you like to pray and stir up the spirit of God that is inside you? And say, thou spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead, you cannot be inside me and be dormant. Manifest your person, your presence and your power. Lift, lift up your voice and pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. Kotiotli kapote pakisiba. Itaki jupa tosieti te kata etiesi prankatabo istorosi pakabaranata pote itisi lenite pate leka paraba protoposo potope stay up the spirit stay him up stay up the spirit he said holy spirit you are the one that raised up jesus from the dead spirit of the father you are living inside me quicken my mortal body Isolo toko korosi moronoto bendisete itate itate ila pota likesi potepa ise baba baba kuriosu kuriosu dandosa stay up stay up stay up I want you to ask for manifestations manifestations of your spirit father tilo loto 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 titisi pataraka itose lete papa rado tiba isi kabo kaba Lift up your voice and pray, pray, pray in the spirit. Something is breaking loose. Something is happening in your life. Imberesi potombeka isipaka isipaka lisimonotoro isa italipa lipa kata kubrisi pata bendose bendose linte latla rastapa latla rastapa latla rastapa latla rastapa titlesi pote karapa 
Rasta Patamamino Nato Baba, Patatet Liziteta, Chitati Parita Parata, Prostetate Lahina Mara, Little Little. Don't be satisfied with presence. I said, Don't be satisfied with presence. Don't be satisfied with presence. Don't be satisfied with presence. As for manifestations, as for manifestations. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Eternal Father, you have a reason why you are bringing these things to your people as preparation. As preparation. Brothers and sisters, I perceive that this is preparation. There is a preparation taking place for mighty manifestations. There is a preparation taking place for mighty, mighty manifestations. Of God's presence in and through his people. Father, we ask that you do a thorough work in our hearts. We ask that, Father, the realities in increasing measure, the realities of this truth will work and manifest in our lives in the name of Jesus Christ. We ask that every veil will be taken away. So that we will see face to face the glory of the Lord. And we will be transformed from one degree of glory to another degree of glory to another degree of glory. Until the image of the Lord Jesus Christ himself in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we want to ask of you. That since you have converted us into your temple. You will manifest yourself inside your temple. And you will manifest yourself to the uttermost. In the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you Heavenly Father. In Jesus name we have prayed. And all of God's people said Amen. One more time Amen. is like you maker of heaven lord of the land and lord of the sea holy and true